0: Amen and amen. What is going on, church? God is so good. If you were just with us during that communion, I hope it was a time of reflection for you. The whole point of that is symbolism. And so in that symbolism, it gives us the ability to be grounded back to the thing that we know for sure. Absolutely. To get out of the weeds of life and be able to understand this is the thing that matters, right? We do a little something before we jump into our services each week we have a time of prayer if you ever want to join us you're more than welcome to and we're in the discord and, and we're praying for service and one of the things we do is we put our hands out and on the count of three we say the name of jesus and it's the exact same idea it's to center us on what matters the most and that is jesus he matters more than the way i feel today he matters more than uh, than than any other message that i'm going to to, to feed you today he is the 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 cusp, the epitome, the point of everything that we do. And I don't know, that fires me up. And so I hope it fires you up. Uh, I hope everybody is doing well today. I missed you all. And I pray that your summer has been fantastic. I know that looks different for different people, depending on what your job is, so on and so forth. But for me, I've had my daughter home all summer. So it's been a little crazy uh, because I'm running back and forth to try to make sure she's okay. And we got a new puppy and that's nuts. Um, But all in all, I'm just thankful that God has continued to anchor me back to what matters. And that is the focus on Jesus. Now, we started a series a few months back uh, in Luke. And so we're going through the book of Luke and looking at the gospel and really, really digging deep into the scriptures. And we've talked about something called eisegesis and something called exegesis. And that simply means eisegesis is... Kind of like allowing scripture to live in its own little island, which you can get some really weird theology from, excuse me, if that happens. Uh, And then exegesis is really bringing out what the scripture was meant to say. And so that's what we're diving into is exegeting um, the passages in which we're going through. And sometimes we're going to see some reoccurring themes And I think that's good for us. I think it's good for us to be able to uh, see what God is really trying to say, even if he's trying to say it over and over and over again. And so um, as we go through this series, you're probably going to have that. You're going to have parts where it's like, oh, he's talking about the promises of God again. He's talking about uh, God's grace. He's talking about, about, you know, uh, Jesus's life. Like, yes, 100%. And I hope for sure that it changes you deeply. Um I know sometimes when I talk to my kids and this is why I think God does this is when I talk to my kids they don't always hear it the first time or they don't always listen the first time. That doesn't mean just hearing. That means taking it and putting action to it. Listening moves with action whether it's a response or it's moved to do the thing that you were asked to do. And so that's a little something I think every single one of us deal with. And so I'm not calling you my children, but I think we are God's children. And he's trying to convey to you that exact same kind of imagery uh, that we just kind of talked about there. And so uh, today I've titled this sermon, The Trailer. The Trailer. Not like the trailer that you live in or you you could live in or uh, not like, you know, the trailer you pull behind a truck. I'm talking today about like movie trailers. I'm talking about that little glimpse before the thing that really, really matters, before the thing you really want. And it's going to be interesting to make a lot of sense as we go through today and kind of talk about uh, the life of John the Baptist. And we talk about his parents, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so uh, a little bit uh, back, I talked to you guys about the introduction to their story and Zachariah's crazy um, kind of uh, event with, with, with an angel and basically the foretelling and Elizabeth's miracle with being able to have a child when she was barren for so many years and so uh, elderly in age and God's faithfulness. And we, and we talked through what that looked like and the promise of this guy that the angel told them to name John. Uh, which is important to this story because uh, that commandment comes to fruition here. And so as we dive in, keep that in the back of your mind and remember that. And if you weren't here, I gave you a little preview. So now you understand. Uh, See, this story is interesting to me, the entirety of Luke 1, 57 through 80, because it truly is in the it is the antithesis it is it's like the cusp the 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 it is the trailer it just it is like it points to exactly what god wants to deliver before he delivers it and what the way i want you to think about this is the bible all throughout it shows jesus all throughout it so this isn't like the the start of jesus's story right jesus is god But it is the start of this unique chapter. And the chapter I want to talk about is the chapter in Jesus' life framed by grace. And grace is an interesting word. And we'll dive a little deeper into that in a little bit. But it's this chapter that is captured by grace. And Jesus' story is one of that, right? It is a reconciliation or a, you know, making things right between his people that are not acting like him or not being like him and God. And it reconciles, right, that relationship in order for us to be able to live in communion with God. And we can't live in communion with God as we are because as we are is something that God cannot bear within his presence and that is sinful There's sin in us. And now for those that aren't familiar with sin, I'm not saying like, you know, like (laughs) you're a sinful evil. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is that there's things in us that are not like God that he doesn't want to be a part of. And what Jesus' sacrifice did is when we make the Lord the king of our lives, when we surrender to him and ask him to forgive us, it reconciles that relationship and then we change right that listening idea we don't just do we put into action i am now choosing no longer to stand and worship basically myself or worship this other idol these other things that are not like you i've chosen to take my life and worship after you i'm choosing now to come to your side god you know for the longest time i was i was on red side now i'm choosing blue side i'm not saying blue and red, or red. you know what i mean but i'm choosing your side and that's what that relationship looks like so that we can begin to live in a relationship with God. And he desires that for all people. Uh, I truly believe that down to the epitome of who I am, that God desires that for you. And we'll jump in a little deeper to that as well as we go through. Um, for those that don't know Jesus, just be keeping that in mind as we talk through this. And for you those that do, I want you to keep in mind as we're talking of watching God's extreme grace and mercy and how privileged and lucky you are that God decided to be the great creator that he is and create this avenue. Um, I think that's really important as we dive a little deeper in here. So as I said, this whole story though is a trailer to what's to come. And so even as great and grand as this story is, it's a trailer. And it's not the main focus. It honestly is like that appetizer. And appetizers are good, man. Don't, don't get me wrong. I can get down on some mozzarella sticks. I can get down on some nachos, okay? Don't worry about it. Like, I can, I can eat some appetizers. I like me some appetizers. But the truth is, is appetizers are not meant to be the meal, right? Your meal is supposed to give you everything that you need for your body to function. It's what's to give you all of the macronutrients and the micronutrients that your body needs. And appetizer is like a teaser. You know, it shouldn't be appetizer, it should be appetizer, you know? And so <laughs> when, when you're thinking about this, think about this story as an appetizer or an appetizer. And as gamers, we have a, an incredible uh, familiarity with understanding teasers
1: all right i mean we wait years beth Sider, Bungie, nintendo i mean we wait
0: years for games that we hear like a leak coming from like oh this this is gonna be the great. It's, it's gonna be number three like the, the one that comes to my head the most is always like the skyrim series in universe like elder scrolls like Stop remaking it! Stop remaking it! We, we want something new! I am not a solo player gamer. That's not who I am. In any way, shape, or form. I'm not. That's not what, but if you put Skyrim in front of me, if you put Morrowind in front of me, I mean, come on now. That's, that's some good game. And we wait and we wait and we wait for these things to come. So we're familiar with teasers. We understand trailers. We understand them very well. And maybe you're someone that's looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy. And I mean, the game keeps like, I don't know. Will it come out? I I have no idea. I know that people on staff at Squad Church have been waiting for that game to come out. And I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it's February. We'll see. We're all too familiar about these epic trailers that, that that talk about, you know, the adventure and the fantasy and the great mechanics of this new game. And, like, you're you're getting, like, these little snippets, but you don't really understand what it is. But it starts to peel back the picture of the little snippets of information that you did have, right? I know many of you guys are probably been watching the Lord of the Rings series that just came out. Is, is it One Ring or... I don't know exactly what's called. And the trailers got you excited. What they did is they kind of put yourself you, you, you in a mode to be able to
1: understand this is what's coming. Like it gave you expectation so that you could position
0: yourself to make sure that. Friday nights are open. You know what I mean? to make sure that 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 launch of whatever game it is that you could go stand at GameStop back in the day, or you can anticipate the launch and download it as fast as you can on Steam so you can deal with all the glitches and problems that you're gonna have with the game on launch day. But it builds anticipation. And so it makes you move in a certain way because you know it's coming, right? At first, it's just rumors. It's like whispers and, Then when the trailer's released, it's like solidified, like it's coming, like it's happening. And that's the same thing with this story. John the Baptist has become the trailer or is the trailer and always was meant to be to Jesus. And so all of these people knew that the Messiah was coming. Now they had refrained or misconstrued what God had had for them through the Messiah, through Jesus. And they started to believe something else or hope for something else that wasn't what God's plan was, but they always had a rumination. There was always this this general air of understanding that Jesus was going
1: to come. And what this trailer did is it made it more real. It instead of because it was it was thousands of years, but in
0: this time it was like, it's coming soon. John the Baptist was preparing the way. And I find that very, very interesting because God wanted us to start getting our heads right for what was to come. All right, we're going to read through this quickly. Don't lose track. Follow along with me if you can on whatever app you're using. If we have your Bible in front of you, I'm reading from the CSB, which is my preferred version, um, which is the I want to say central, but that's not it. It's a Christian standard Bible. Um, and so make sure that you're following along in whatever version that you want to. But I don't want to lose you here. So let's read through this quickly and then we're going to break it down. But I want to read it through one time so you get the full picture. The birth and naming of John. And verse 57, it says, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy. And they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around them and all these things were taken, or were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart saying, when then will this child become? Or what then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. And this is Zechariah's prophecy. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And this is what he said in verse 68. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew up and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. To Israel. All right. Those are the scripture verses we're going to be tackling. Now you might be like daylight. There's a lot of like weird language in there. I don't quite understand. That's the whole point of the sermon is to be able to dive a little deeper into what exactly do these separate pieces of scripture mean and how do they correlate? What does Zechariah's prophecy mean there? What does it, what, what does it, what is it really saying? And so one of the things I want to ask you guys before we move on is why do you think this story is relevant? Why do you think it matters? I want to see some answers in chat. So type out your answers, put them in chat. Why do you think this story that we just read is relevant? Why does it matter? And so you can go ahead and do that right now. Um, If you have no idea, like I do most of the times, you can just put a nine in chat and that'll suffice too. (laughs) But the theme of this this entire story is God's grace and faithfulness. And there's a lot to break down in that. But one of the
1: things I think we deal with sometimes and we never fully realize is that we deal with the symptoms of sin without ever allowing there to be a deep underlying
0: healing of the root cause. See, no matter what sin you you, you have going on in your life, it will lead to other problems. It'll lead to these things that are outliers, that are a part of that thing that you didn't realize, you didn't take on. When you committed the sin, or you're participating in the sin, or you're living in the sin, you didn't sign on for the other stuff. You didn't sign on for the other symptoms that may be present. And so a lot of times, instead of dealing with the thing that truly matters, that root sin in our lives, what we end up doing is trying to heal the symptom. I've talked about this a little bit in our, our learning leadership this last month. And it was this idea that when we have pain, right? I might have a headache. I might have like a soreness in my back, like whatever it is. I'll just take some Advil. I'll just take some Tylenol. I'll just, and I'll alleviate the pain. But that doesn't cause the problem to go away. The pain is often separate from the actual problem. And it's like that in our sin life. In the life that we have not fully given up to God is we treat these things like maybe from, you know, the, the sin in your heart of lying, you've realized that you no longer can make genuine relationships. And so you'd be like, oh, God, why can't I make relationships? And you need to back up and you need to take a different perspective look and You need to deal with the root, the cause. And it's the fact that you're lying or you're not kind or you're not faithful or you're not
1: anything fill in the blank with the fruit of the Spirit. You're not loving. And it's deeper than what is just extended from the situation.
0: This feeling is exactly what the story we're going to dive into reflects. John the Baptist's life is a teaser trailer for what's to come.
1: And it's a trailer to show you the idea of where we need to be placed, right? Where our perspective needs to be placed.
0: Because in truth, John the Baptist is just a part of this story. He's just a a, a domino block for like, the real prize, which is Jesus. But he, he kind of attacks this idea of like, you need to get yourself right because the Lord's coming soon. Prepare yourself. And oftentimes that's why John the Baptist's story is
1: in synchronicity with the preparer. Only through the grace and mercies of God can
0: we be forgiven and the real root problem of sin be healed.
1: John's life, even before he is born, is pointing to something greater than he is. And that's the gospel truth. As we look in in, in verse 57
0: through 66, and now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son, then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy and they rejoiced with her. And when they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they're going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, "No, he will be called John." Now, that's important because the angel that had come to Zechariah and promised him this miracle had actually told him to name him John. So this is necessary. This is needed. But it was very odd and it was out of stance. It would not make sense normally within Israel Israeli culture because what they would have done is much different. He would have been their lastborn And he was a son. And so taking on his father's name was a really important thing because he kind of continued the legacy and he was, it was almost an honor to the father. And so they all thought Elizabeth was crazy. And so they basically motion Zechariah, which is really interesting. This is the only scripture verse that actually lets us know that Zechariah wasn't only mute, which previously that's what it talks about in the scripture, that he would be not able to be able to speak until after the baby was born. But he's also deaf. And the reason we know this is because the way that the the scripture's written here, so they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted to be called. Like he couldn't hear. I find that very interesting because it's not something you would have extrapolated from, you know, the cause. But even after that, he said the same thing as Elizabeth and that's why all the people were amazed. (laughs) Like, oh, she ain't crazy. Like, and she didn't say anything to him. So he actually didn't even know that's the name she had picked. And so it was kind of this little mini miracle. Anybody could said like they might've had a conversation before or something, but it didn't seem that way. It seemed as though they just were both on the same page because they knew the miracle that God had promised and what God had asked them to do. And they fell in obedience. Immediately his mouth was opened. And so What happens here is that that problem with his sin when Zechariah got muted and deafened for a while before the baby was born, that was all taken away in this moment. And the first thing he does, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God. The first thing that comes out of his mouth after months of not being able to hear or speak is giving praise to God. He realized where the source of his life was coming from. Even though his sin has caused him pain, he did not blame God for it. He knew it was a circumstance of what he had done. And I say this so empathetically because we often, and we make excuses, and I hear people all the time use things like, well, if God was real, he wouldn't let this happen in my life, or this... That wasn't even a thought process in the ancient world. They had such an ownership over understanding that their life was their own and their choices had consequences. He understood that his sin had caused this upheaval in his life. That is why he was walking around mute and deaf and the entire time did not blame God for what his sin had caused. And sometimes I'm speaking to you today. You need to realize that you cannot blame God for your situation. You can't blame God for the the, the things that you've put into
1: your life. You can't blame God for the sin that you revel in. And we need to start to change the way our hearts look at God. And so immediately, even after months of being mute and deaf, he humbles himself and
0: praises God. And as he did, fear came on all those who lived around them, and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. Now, a lot of people think fear like, "Oh, they're running around crazy." No, we're talking about like the healthy fear of God. Like, "Oh, this is real. This is a this is a God experience. Like, this is miraculous. This is crazy." And so it was like, oh, we need to get ourselves right kind of thing. It was a warning, right? It was like when the sirens go off in your town, maybe, or you hear the sirens of the, of the fire trucks going by,
1: you know, like, get off the side of the road. There's something happening. It's an awakening. John the Baptist is God's next step
0: in the plan of salvation here. Now, we already know because we've, we've granted the fruition of what the What the salvation looks like, right? We have the ability to accept Jesus now. so but at this time, they didn't understand that completely. He was just the step, right? He was the crier. he was he was as as though a prophet that would announce and be the mouthpiece of God and and tell people what was to come. We kind of have like the cheat code. we We can see the end of the game. It's kind of spoiled, but. I'm kind of glad it is. You know what I mean? And so in verse 67, then his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord and the Lord God of Israel, because he had visited and provided redemption for his people. The first thing that comes out of Zechariah's mouth, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He realized his son was the key phase, right? The key step
1: to beginning the salvation process. He literally calls him the horn of salvation.
0: And that often refers to strength and power and military victory. Basically what Zechariah was saying here in this prophecy was that he realizes God had begun the victory. And now God won long ago, but this was finally that triumphal entrance. And in verse 69, It says, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David,
1: just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. This is a promise of all the Old Testament prophets. And he's making a reference to the fact that the Lord is fulfilling his prophecy. In verse
0: 71, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. This is where he starts to shift his idea and and praise God for his mercy and his faithfulness to deliver his people to serve him. Now, often when we think of delivery, we don't think of service. When we think of freedom, we don't think of service. Honestly, what we've done is we've detached those two things and freedom, we've come to come to kind of believe that freedom means there's no real requirement of me. There's all the, all the, the, the change that were let off of me allows me to do whatever I please. But that's not the case. Freedom actually comes with a responsibility
1: in the kingdom. Freedom comes with a responsibility of service. In 72, he talks about mercy, to show mercy towards our Father.
0: G. Campbell Morgan says it like this. All through the song is celebrating the name. John means the grace of God. The name John means the grace of God. Interesting. And that is what Zecharias was celebrating in his wonderful song, Prophecy. His name was Zecharias which means God will remember. So John means the grace of God. Zacharias means God will remember. And then Elizabeth's name means the oath of God. Come on now, somebody. That's
1: crazy. Their names weave together a powerful story. God will remember.
0: God is faithful to his promises. Elizabeth, the oath of God. It's an honoring to God that he has made an oath that he will keep. John's name, meaning the grace of God, is a showing of what is to come and the grace he has already
1: shown. The theme of this is the episcopacy of God. For he hath visited It's
0: oversight, the celebration of God's government, his structure in grace.
1: The vision of God that leads to the action of God. God had proclaimed this vision and this is the start to that action. Zechariah is
0: praising the merciful acts of God leading to salvation of his covenant people. In verse 73, it says, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham To grant that we. This is the primary theological point in this entire scripture verse. It's God's faithfulness to his covenant. It occupies the centrality of the scripture. He's faithful, he will do it. In verse 74 and 75 says, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, we would serve him without fear. 75 says, in holiness and righteousness, in his presence all our days. Might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him throughout all our days. God saves so that we might worship. Remember when I talked about that freedom and that idea of freedom doesn't necessarily just mean I get to do whatever I want, but freedom also comes with the package of service within the kingdom of God.
1: That service is worship. Freedom is a good goal, but it's not the ultimate goal. The freedom God seems
0: most interested is the freedom to worship him. So we are taken from our bondage and captivity of sin so that we can freely worship him because apart from being freed from sin, we cannot worship him
1: because we are trapped away from his presence. Remember, God doesn't want anything to do with sin. Just as Zechariah worshiped God when God mercifully
0: opened his mouth and ears, so are all of us to praise and glorify God for the salvation that he brings. When that captivity comes off, when you're finally able to see again, when you're finally able to speak the truth again, when you're finally able to hear truthfully, in a spiritual manner. Our hearts should be like Zechariah's where we willfully
1: and joyfully praise God and we come to worship Him. You are the most free when you have completely surrendered. That is a hard concept for us to get. You are most free when you have completely surrendered. In verse 76, he says, And you, child, will be called a prophet
0: of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. This is talking about the preparation that he'll make. We've talked about this quite a bit already. But it's pointing to the fact that he will be the forerunner. He'll be the mouthpiece, that prophet of something so much greater
1: to come. He'll be the preacher with the message of repentance from sin. And that's what
0: it means when it says to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. John's task is the trailer of Christ will be to bring people to the right attitude through the power of God. The attitude will mainly consist in this, that men will be brought to a realization and a confession of sin and will long and a hunger for the Messiah, the Redeemer. Thus, John will proclaim to his people the arrival of that redemption, a redemption that speaks to the forgiveness of sins. This preparation was most necessary because the people as a whole at that time had an altogether wrong opinion concerning the Messiah and what that redemption would mean. They regarded the expected Messiah as a worldly ruler who would have this great task of freeing them from the, the claws of the Roman empire. That that yoke of the Roman empire would be broken and he would come and crusade them and make them this huge uh, world power and, That was what they truly believed down to the the innermost parts of their heart. Therefore, it was necessary for John that the forerunner of Christ should summon people to
1: a realization of guilt and a confession of sin. It should make as many of them as possible see that the real redemption needed
0: by them was deliverance from the power of of their spiritual enemies. Sin and the forces of darkness, so they might escape from the wrath of God. The message was not a deliverance from external enemies, but of internal enemies. The real problem had been looking back at you in the mirror the entire time. And he was pointing them, instead of saying, stop worrying about all of these people, and you see Jesus do this throughout his ministry. He says, stop pointing the fingers at everybody else, Pharisee, and start pointing them at you. Start looking in yourself and realizing where it is in your own heart that you have not allowed God to invade. Where is it that you need to confess? Where is it that God needs to expel the sin from you? See, you've blamed everything on everybody else for so long that it's time to look within. Where is it that you've chosen to keep on the shackles? Where is it that you haven't allowed God to use the key of salvation to open?
1: Prepare your hearts, Israel. Prepare your heart, church. For God wants to do a work in you
0: that is powerful and that will change the entirety of your life as
1: it changed the entire trajectory of the world. The role of John It derives its significance and greatness from God's purpose
0: and even more from the greatness of the person saved. I'm going to say this one more time because that's so powerful. The role of John derives its significance and
1: greatness from God's purpose and even more from the greatness of the person served.
0: John's role magnified God's worship. It magnified the glory that
1: he received because he was changing people so that they can become the image bearers that God always desired them to be. God blows my mind in this. because it talks about the significance of how much you do matter.
0: And the truth, a lot of times the Bible, in ancient times, it was about the nation. It was about the group of people rather than the individual. But John's life wasn't to proclaim to nations.
1: He was actually manifested to speak to people. And I think that that's interesting because it starts to really make
0: the gospel truth and the transformation that I need in my life
1: important. And it starts to put ownership on you and me. We need God's grace. We need his mercies. I'm going to jump to verse 80, and it says, The child grew up and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Instead of joining a comfortable life as a priest,
0: John lived in the wilderness, disciplining himself physically and spiritually, waiting for the day when God could send him out to prepare Israel for the arrival of the Messiah. He knew his mission. He understood it. And he wouldn't let anything get in the way.
1: No distractions. His diet was strict. He was a man of discipline. And this is also interesting to me because the people of Israel have a special relationship to the
0: wilderness. It was in the wilderness that God tested the people and it was in the wilderness that they rebelled. It was in the wilderness that God saved them again and again. And the wilderness was the crucible where they became a nation. The wilderness was a place where people sinned and when they also repented to restore their relationship with God. And John made his life an example of what God wanted for you and me. And that was for us to be able to humble
1: ourselves, to realize the ownership we have. And that God, even though we had
0: gone so far and straight so far, and we're even missing the picture about what his son would
1: bring, that he cared enough about us individually to bring a message of love, of peace, of grace. Grace is an interesting word. In the Oxford definition, it often means courteous goodwill. What grace is to God is the giving of what we don't deserve. Is an extension of love that we have not earned. his ability to take us from who we once were and restore us in the rightfully place we belong.
0: And he wants that for each and every one of us. And I'm not so naive to sit here and think today that not every single person here needs God's grace in their life. I've been a believer for so many years. I believed in Jesus. I followed after him. I've been, I've been a pastor for years. But still, I am often taken back and realizing the grace I need in my life because I'm not perfect.
1: And as imperfect people, we need His grace. We need His love. We need an extension of something we don't deserve. And we need to realign ourselves. I would love for you after today's service to spend some time
0: reflecting on the grace of God. And I want you to think through your history and I'm not telling you to pick back up old sins. You've discarded long ago. I want you to look back because history is telling. And the same reason we do communion in remembrance. I want you to have an in remembrance moment today where you remember the person you used to be and the person you never expected to be today. And thank God for those victories. And then start to pursue in your heart today. Put on some worship music, spend some time with the Lord and ask him, where is it in my heart, Lord? Search me, O God. and allow me to surrender those areas of my life that I have not yet surrendered. May John the Baptist's message to align your life because Jesus is not near, he is now here. Allow it to transform you today. And allow God to recaptivate your heart. And if you're here this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, wherever you are, around the world, if you have never said, Jesus, would you come into my heart? If you've never been like, I, I don't know, man, I've never really taken this religion thing seriously. If, you- if you've ever just been like, man, I've, I've always wanted this change that you're talking about in my heart. Like, I know there's so many things that I'm just not getting satisfaction out of in life, but I just don't know where to go. And you've been searching. There is an answer. And that answer is Jesus. John the Baptist pronounced him long ago. It's Jesus, and you have the opportunity. You do not need to be perfect. You do not need to have any ducks in order in order to have this relationship. And I don't need you to say yes and amen. I don't need you to say, like, I need you to have an experience with God. And as, just as I can pray, you can pray. And prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. And all you need to do today to begin that journey, your journey with Jesus, is a simple conversation with God. You don't need me there. You don't need anybody in the chat there. You and him. And it comes by saying, God, I realize I am messed up. I've realized I'm not where I should be. But I want to be where you are. And so today, Lord, I surrender my heart. I surrender to you. And for the rest of my days, I'm going to chase after you. That's all it takes. It's faith in Jesus and a forgiveness of your sin that he already promised. And I want you to understand, that doesn't mean we expect you to be perfect tomorrow. That doesn't mean you're gonna have this crazy experience where everything in your life is just perfect now. But what it means is you've started an adventure, a journey with the most powerful love that you could imagine. You have started a journey that changes everything. He wants it for you because he created you. And he loves you more than anyone in your possible life, anybody in your life possibly could. You are loved. And I hope you understand that today. John the Baptist, the teaser to Jesus, his life a miracle upon its own. But he came with a message and a message that each and every one of us should be carrying with us and that is the lord loves you get your heart right with him because he's god and he desires that relationship with you each and every one of us i pray we start to carry that message with us and that challenge stands I want you to spend time thinking about your past and what God delivered you from. And I want you to continue to ask God, what is it? Search me, oh God. Where is it that I can align my heart with you? If no one's told you they love you today, church, I love you with my whole heart. Bye, guys.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Amen. What a powerful, powerful message, Amen. Can we get some hearts for Pastor TJ in the chat? There was so many nuggets in that. I I was taking notes. There's, there's so much in that. I don't know. you, You have to watch that again because there's so much in that message. Honestly. And if you want um today that if you're here today you want to connect with us you can film a form out if your first time here you want to connect and you receive some of that message and you, you want to you want to chat with somebody type in SMH estimation point connect and chat we'll love to connect with you and answer your, your question that was so powerful today I honestly the, the, the holy spirit is here he was moving guys but all this is made possible by your giving let me tell you and something pastor tj said in that message that, that, that hit me he said god saves that we might worship and as, as we come here today you know uh, it's an act of worship to, to give of our of, of an offering to God to, to give our finances and all those that are giving today. You make all this possible that we're able to do this. We're able to keep on reaching. And I want to encourage you: worship with us today. You know, step out. Maybe 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 you're you know look at the bills and stuff. But as you step out, you, you meet God with that faith. You say, God, I'm here to worship you, Lord, because was, you, you, could you save me. You turn my life around. Heard of worship of you. Malachi 3 10. It says this bring the whole tide into the storehouse that you may have food in my house. Test me in this. God says, test me in this says the lord god almighty and see if i not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there is no room enough to store it. i want to encourage you guys All everybody that gives here all that, you're making this possible that we can continue to reach continue to be that light here on twitch and th- thank you so much for your generosity if you today you say you know what i want to give i want to i want, I want, I want to i want to do an act of worship today well there's safe, there's a couple safe and secure ways you can give number one you can type in exclamation point give in chat and you can um f- follow the steps there to give or you can go below The panel's below and click the link there and give through PayPal. Our number three, you can also give through the website, GodSquadChurch.com. And number four, if you reside in the USA, you can text any amount to 84321. And honestly, just thank you so much for, for, for your generosity and for giving.